Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the reign of Saul as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, we came to the place where Saul was anointed king over Israel. We remember at the time of his anointing that he was hiding in the stuff. And so as Samuel got ready to present, you know, the trumpet fanfare and all, and now you're king and the curtain's open kind of a thing, there's nobody there. And so Samuel said, Lord, what's going on? Did we got you know, the right man? Is this the right date? And the Lord said, he's over hiding in the stuff. So uh, they went over and got him and brought Saul before the people, and all the people joined together in a cry, God save the king. But there were some men who were objecting to Saul's reign, and uh, the children of Belial. Uh, Now, the children of Belial are usually the evil men, Uh, Belial being a term for Satan, children of the devil. They were saying, you know, shall Saul rule over us? And they were creating a little undercurrent against Saul's reign. Now, Saul returned to his home and just went back to his his work of farming. When the king of the Ammonites came against the Israeli settlement of Jabesh-Gilead, and so he demanded that they surrender, or when he came against them, they volunteered some kind of a tribute You know, what must we do to be your servants? And he said, let all of the men pluck out their right eyes and put them in a basket to be a reproach against all Israel, and then, you know, we'll be your servants. And they said, well, give us seven days to think about that. (laughs) And so they sent to Saul and... uh, They told him, you know, the demands that this fellow was making, the king of the Ammonites was making against them. And so Saul took the oxen that he was plowing with and he cut them up into pieces and sent them throughout Israel and and said, and so shall the man's oxen be plucked up or cut up and all who doesn't come and follow me in battle. And in other words, it was a call to battle, and if you don't come, you know, when we get back, we're going to cut your oxen all up. So the men of Israel gathered together with Saul, some 300,000, plus another 30,000 from the tribe of Judah. And so they came down, they sent a message back to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said, don't worry, help is on the way. And so the seventh day, the men of Jabesh Gilead sent a message out to the king of the Ammonites and said, we're going to fight instead of pluck out our right eyes. And so uh, about this time, Saul's first contingent arrived 
and began to smite them, and the second contingent moved in, and the third contingent, and they utterly wiped out uh, all, of the, uh, all of this invading force that had come against them, were thoroughly defeated until there weren't two men left together, just really decimated the troops. And God gave unto Saul a great victory, and it really was the thing that sort of uh, catapulted him into the real position of king. This is what the people were looking for, a man who would go out and lead their armies into battle against their enemies and all. And so when this great victory was given to Saul over their enemies, then the people said, where are those guys that said, who is Saul that he should reign? Bring them out and we're going to wipe them out. And Saul said, hey, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Let's not have any recriminations. God has wrought salvation for Israel today and let's rejoice in the victory of God and let's not have any recriminations. Now, this is Saul at the beginning of his reign, and at the beginning of his reign, he does show many marvelous characteristics, and among those, that of humility. In reality, when Samuel first met Saul and said, Behold, the man upon whom is all the eyes of, or the desire of Israel, Saul said, Hey, you can't mean me. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the little tribes, and my dad's family is nothing. You surely can't mean me. And there was a real humility manifested in this fellow Saul. When Samuel laid out the fact that he was to be the king and all, when he got home and his uncle said, well, you know, what took you so long? He said, oh, man, we really got lost and all. And they said, we finally ended up with Samuel. And he said, oh, what did Samuel tell you? And he said, oh, he told us that the donkeys had come home. But he didn't bother, you know, he didn't say to his uncle, and he told me that I was going to be king and this kind of stuff. I mean, there was... There was none of that. There, there seemed to be a true humility. It is tragic that as the story progresses of the life of Saul, one of the bad characteristics of his later life is the lack of humility. This spiritual pride and this more than just plain pride that took over in his life. Starting out a very humble man, but as time progressed, he became a very proud man. But in this particular case, here the, the men were ready to go out and wipe out these guys who had spoken against him. He said, oh no, you know, God has wrought salvation uh, in Israel and thus there'll be no recrimination. So here is still right at the beginning, signs of, of real good qualities of humility. So all of the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul the king before the Lord, and they sacrificed the sacrifices of peace offerings, and Saul and the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And so there was a reconfirmation, but this was really, hey, this is the fellow, this is the man, and now the general acknowledgement of Saul as king. Now in the 12th chapter, Samuel is now sort of stepping down because they have now proclaimed the king. And so his career as the judge over Israel has pretty much come to an end as the reins of government are now turned over from the theocracy, Samuel the judge speaking for God to the people, 
now to a monarchy where Saul is ruling, so Samuel is stepping down. And this is more or less his farewell speech to the people. He is going to go into pretty much political obscurity after this point. He's going to step into the background. He will be dealing not with the people. He will be dealing with Saul and with individuals, but no longer the public figure in leading Israel. And so this is his last final speech to Israel in chapter 12. Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice, in that you have asked that I should set a king over you. And now, behold, the king is walking there before you. And I am old, I'm gray-haired, and my sons are with you. And I have walked with you from my childhood to this day. So you do remember that he started out his career extremely early. As soon as he was weaned, he was a public figure. He was there in the place of worship, and the people who would gather for worship saw this little boy year by year as he grew and as he developed, and they recognized that God's hand was upon this young man. And, and he just sort of naturally grew into the position of leadership and judge over Israel. Now he declares, here I am, and I want you to witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Who have I defrauded? Who have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes? Tell me and I will restore it. In other words, he is, he is declaring his innocency before the people. Look, I didn't take from you at all. I didn't take your oxen, your donkeys. I didn't accept bribes. I have not oppressed you. If anyone feels that I've oppressed you, anyone feels I've defrauded, step forward and I will pay. And, and really, Samuel did have a very beautiful and remarkable career as the judge of Israel. Extremely outstanding person. And so they answered, you haven't defrauded us nor oppressed us, neither have you taken anything from us. And he said unto them, the Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, God is witness. In other words, you swear, God is witness, I have not taken anything from you. That's right, we swear to that. So Samuel said unto the people, rehearsing now their history a little bit, it is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron. And they brought your fathers out of the land of Egypt. Now stand still for a minute that I might reason with you before the Lord of all of the righteous acts which the Lord did to you and to your fathers. Now, uh, he is seeking now to justify God. He's justified himself. Look, I've taken nothing. Right. I'm clean. Right. Now I want to show you that the Lord is also clean, that the Lord has treated you right, that he has never mistreated you or your fathers. That which the Lord has done has been fair and just. 
When Jacob was come to Egypt, and your fathers cried to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, and they brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them to dwell in this place. And when your fathers forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hands of Sisera, who was the captain of the host of Hazor, and then into the hand of the Philistines, and then into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, and we have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bedam and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelled safely. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now, I want you to acknowledge this, that God was fair and just. Your father Jacob went down to Egypt, and there your fathers were oppressed. They cried unto God. God sent Moses and Aaron, who brought them out of Egypt and to this place. But when your fathers began to forsake God, then they were forsaken of God. And it was only after they had forsaken God that their enemies came in and began to oppress them. But they cried unto God, and God sent deliverers, these various judges. And he names some of the judges that God used as a deliverer, finally himself. But now you're faced with another crisis. And rather than crying out unto God for his deliverance, you are now asking for a king. And in thus doing, you are rejecting God from being king. So you are going from the theocracy, a people governed by God, to a monarchy, people governed by a earthly king. Now, therefore, behold the king that you have chosen and you have desired. Here he is. Take a look at him. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against his commandment, then shall both you and the king that reigns over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord and you rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, I want you to stand and see this great thing which the Lord is going to do before your eyes. Today is the day of the wheat harvest. I'm going to call unto the Lord, and he's going to send thunder and rain that you might perceive and know that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord. The Lord sent thunder and the rain that day, and the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil thing to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. So, Samuel says, look, you've done an evil thing. 
and asking for a king and that you might know how wicked it is. God's going to show you a wonder. I'm going to ask God to send thunder and rain upon your wheat harvest. And there inside the people said, God send thunder and rain. So as the thunder began to clap around them and the rain began to fall, they said, oh, we've, we've sinned. We've done wickedly. Pray that God not destroy us. Now, it is interesting, they aren't really repenting. A repentance means a change. A true repentance, they would have said, oh, get rid of Saul. We'll let God serve us, or reign over us. We'll serve God. That would have been repentance. But there's this, oh, we're sorry. But we still want our king. Now, there is a difference between sorrow and repentance. And the Lord requires repentance from sin, not just a sorrow for sin. So often we have a sorrow because of the consequences of our sins. But we go right on doing it. God wants a repentance, that is, a turning away from the evil in our lives. And God requires repentance. And so they, they said, pray that we will not die. And Samuel said unto them, you're not going to die, but just make sure that you don't quit serving the Lord, for if you do, you're going to start serving other gods, vain things, which cannot profit or deliver. Now, he declared this because he knew the nature of man. You've got to serve somebody. And if you are not serving God, you're going to be serving some vain thing that really can't help you or deliver you, that is really no profit to you. And we look around the world today and we see the vain things that men are worshiping or serving. But you cannot serve God and mammon. They are mutually exclusive. And if you forsake serving the Lord because you've got to serve somebody, you're going to start serving vain things which when your time of trouble and peril arises, they'll not be able to profit you or to deliver you. But if you will serve the Lord, he will not forsake you for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Now, for God's reasons, he's pleased to make you his people. And if you'll just serve him, he will not forsake you. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Now, here Samuel brings up something that to me is quite interesting. They said when they realized their wickedness, they said, pray for us that we not die. In response to that, Samuel said, As for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. In other words, not praying is sinful. Not praying is sinning against the Lord. 
God forbid that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Now, if God has commanded us to pray one for another, then our failure to pray for one another is disobedience to the command of God, and disobedience to God's command is sin. And the Lord has told us we are to pray one for another. Therefore, we are all of us required to pray for each other. And God forbid that we should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for one another. Oh, that we would realize the awful sin of prayerlessness in our lives. That not to pray, not to spend time in prayer with the Lord is actually sinning against the Lord. It's sinning against his commands to us. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. Just consider the wonderful things God has done for you, and then serve him with all your heart. But if you continue in wickedness, just know you're going to be consumed, both you and your king. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 11-12 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May he fill you with the knowledge of his love and his grace. And may you walk in fellowship with him. And may the Lord continue his work in your life as he draws you unto himself, as he cleanses you through his word, as he fits you and prepares you for that work that he would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you. God strengthen you and keep you ever in his love and in his will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I just got the Word for Today Bible, and I'm really enjoying the commentaries by Pastor Chuck. Listen to this one from the book of Joshua. You see, God has already gone before me. God is already there tomorrow. Joshua is telling them, tomorrow... 
God is going to do wonders in your eyes. And that's the thing that I need to hold in my mind. Yeah, that's really good. I have one too from the book of Nehemiah. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly, and then they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what expository teaching is all about. That's what we have devoted our ministry to, the study of God's Word. The Word for Today Bible is available in leather and paperback editions with more commentaries by Pastor Chuck, simply teaching the Word of God. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 1-800-272-WORD. You can read a preview of the Word for Today Bible by visiting thewordfortoday.org.